There's a storm of legendary changes coming to the Atlantic League. Find out more on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Back again. 258. 258. Yeah, I didn't really know where to go with it from there. So I'm I'm glad you jumped in because I was kind of clueless there. I was about to be like, shout out 258. Uh, that's not an area code. So that's tough. Uh, not a hot start from the squad. Uh, yeah, apparently no. 250 is apparently somewhere in Indiana. So shout out Indiana. Gary. Now that we're in the right area code of baseball, let's talk about nice. baseball. So let's talk about Lancaster. Yes. Okay. I was hoping we'd start there because I got some some late breaking developments here. Oh boy. Okay. So yesterday, I meaning Thursday, they announced their rebrand before Lexington did. But in all fairness, we knew exactly what Lexington was doing on the rebrand. So not that big of a deal. We'll get to them in a minute. But Lancaster announced their uh, rebrand to just being the Stormers. Drop the barn. No barn. No longer a barn burning. The barn burned down, you could say. And their logo is now a cow. Got a word mark above it. There's a couple other uh, logos associated with it. The L remains as well. Um, but generally speaking, uh, it just seemed like kind of an odd rebrand, I think it's safe to say. Colors remained. And in case anyone's wondering why a cow, uh, it is supposed to symbolize strength, hard work, and determination. I think it's just kind of a cool-looking cow, though. So that's kind of nice. And uh, it's a, kind of a weird move. They said they're doing it to re-energize the fan base. But it seems like a solid like 60, 40, not loving it online. Now, of course, it's online, so that's worth what it's worth. Mm-hmm. But still. So I've had a few thoughts here. Um, the first was like, why? Um, yeah, and that's, that's I mean, that, obvious. It's just I don't understand exactly why this was necessary. We've talked before about you know, it's not a brand not aging well or a brand not being like community based and wanting some more community based. And so that's one front. And then like, okay, so I thought through possible things. So I thought through maybe, you know, that's why a lot of them rebrand. But if you look at this, Barnstormers is like the barn connection is very tied into Lancaster. If you all have been to Lancaster, you know, if you've seen the movie Witness, then you know Lancaster actually. So um, there's your homework for the day. Um, Harrison Ford, man, hell of a guy. Anyway, um, the other side, so I was like, okay, it's not that. Um, could it be like, this is in the weeds a little bit, but SEO, like we talked about how, you know, even if there's no lawsuit involved, it makes sense that the New England knockouts changed from the Chowdaheads because when you look them up, you get another team. I was like, well, maybe if you're looking at Barnstormer Baseball, it wasn't going to them. It was going to like, you know, the, the barnstorming teams that used to play back in like the early years of baseball. But no, I mean that it was, it was all good Google results for them. You know, I don't know why I like the logo, but um, yeah, I don't know why. And, and I made a little uncomfortable. My initial instinct was I don't really love the name change as somebody, by the way, this is my local indie ball team. If we're to, you know, have to go by the, sh- the closest team to me, but uh, a lot of the comments, I was like, all right, let's go to the comments section. Cause while well, that's not, um, always the best way to gauge public opinion. It is a good way to usually gauge negative public opinion. And it was extremely positive. 
So when I mentioned that on Twitter, sort of talking this through with somebody else who had tweeted about it and our own reservations about it, he pointed out, because he's closer in the organization, and I'm not going to necessarily name names. He might said it publicly, so maybe it's fine. Um, I'll just let it ride. Um, that it mo- that he said most of the people who I've seen express support for it are employees or former employees of the organization, which I've noticed before, like some you know fairly organized efforts of employees and friends of the team on certain things. Not necessarily the barnstormers, but other teams I've seen sort of use that trick, flooding positive commentary into the comments. So it's interesting. I don't know what to make of this. Like the more, and then once I said that, multiple people came out of the woodwork and were like, "Yo, we hate this. Yo, we're trying to organize. Yo, we like." It was very. Yeah, it, it, it yeah I saw like flashbacks. Yeah, like I saw almost like a protest planned or something. I seen. Yeah, something like that. Which I don't know, but yeah, that seems extreme. But like, I'm, the here's the thing too. Like, I'm looking at like all the designs here, and like I do like the one here that's almost like the badge looking one that says Lancaster Stormers that has the barn there with like the lightning around Mm -hmm. it I like that you have the two X's incorporated in it for two decades so I like that too Uh, you can kind of look around also for symbolism in some of them I do think like aesthetically speaking I think it was well done I think the the logos look good it's just I don't Mm -hmm. know if this organization needed it right like i'm agreeing in the sense of if it's for like an seo purpose mm. i get it i get it but, but it doesn't seem to be and yeah. it's gotten less localized and more generic it's very odd yeah like that's the thing i don't get here is like and I don't pointed out that the, the local system. they point out too that the fans were the ones who first picked this name 20 years ago so I don't know. And it's not like they changed yeah. the colors up. Yeah, but like we said, what was it, last week or the week before, just because you have a fan vote doesn't mean like you have a fan vote. Agreed, but it does seem like this can be the popular name of the time. I'd love to see what the other options were, but that's neither here nor there necessarily. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know I'm looking it up, though. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, what's kind of odd to me, too, is that they keep the L. Like, they kept the L logo there. And I didn't know there was really... such loyalty to that logo, by the way. The yeah, L. like, like I didn't know Lexington that either. Was... And it just... So yeah. here's the weird one. When I was in Lexington, they were talking about it. They they had just done a logo change, and it used yeah. to be the L on the hat, and they kind of switched away from that a little bit to like the Lex, yeah. and people didn't love the switch. I was like, why do you want the L? Like it's kind of an odd vibe. Yeah, but, like, uh, why people do you like want it, a giant apparently. L in your hat? Like I always think, like you know, as a kid, when you put the L on the head for loser. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shout out to the Smash Mouth. Like, uh, it's. Yeah, like that's yeah. the thing is like I just don't like there was no real demand for this. I don't think at least it doesn't seem like it was that popular of a decision. I like heard nothing asking yeah. for that. And and yeah. I guess what I think maybe this is what you were going for, and, and maybe we're on the same page here. Yeah. The Lancaster Stormers brand and logo, all I think all together is in a vacuum good. Yeah. But when you're looking at it from what it was, like it just a lot of why and i think yeah. i've heard arguments that counterclocks was like that too since we're comparing the two a bit here but yeah. I, I don't necessarily know that uh i don't i don't think that was that great of a brand but i've seen its defenders um yeah man i don't really know totally what to say and, yeah, and it, i'm not totally prepared because i just like within the last 30 minutes stumbled into this conversation of a lot of people all of a sudden in my mentions like uh no <laughs> like ooh. 
okay. Like, here's the thing. It's just like where I land on, it's just kind of like, okay, but why though? Mm-hmm. Like, it looks good. I think it looks overall nice. I'm going to be interested what the jersey design looks like. Mm-hmm. And overall, from a just purely aesthetic perspective, I like it. But like, it wasn't really popular in market to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You didn't really need anything like, I would agree that you probably could have done a brand refresh, kept Barn in the name, and then went to something similar to that. And it would have been fine. But, like, I just don't, I don't understand why there's such a, like, this was a decision made. I feel almost like it would be better to do as, like, an alternate logo on every, like, say, Friday night or something. And it stands out to me. I really see my thing is too. It wasn't like, like you and I have joked about the Ogden Raptors. The Ogden Raptors could do a brand change and you can be like, why? But also, yeah. like, okay. But yeah. like the Barnstormers is a solid brand because if you think yeah. about it, like, all right, Meyer League and Independent Ball, it's a lot of small towns. But even very few small towns have the like one to one connection with farms and barns that Lancaster, Pennsylvania has. It's like yeah. known for it. It is known for it. It is kind of what you think of when you think of pencil tucky like and that's not an insult like that is yeah. I, I i love lancaster i you know they're the the it's city lancaster, by the way is actually a city too that's the funny thing like it's got a vibe too it's got some cool concert venues neither here nor there uh did see some wild just basement style grunge rock shows that's a different combo um but uh the who says we don't have culture anyway uh the yeah that's culture it just yeah, and to ditch it is so confusing. It really is. And I know it's locale. So, like, sure. And that is sort of, you know, funny and penciled in from like the, and it's technically a bull, whatever. But it, it, you don't really need that for the stormers. You could have gone with a storm or whatever. Yeah, like, was done because, like, hey, people still like the mascot. So, we just work with Silo, bro. Yeah. yeah. Like Silo's popular. So, what the hell? We might as well just go ahead and incorporate the bull cow into the uh, new logo. Also, it was pointed out to me by somebody that apparently, and I missed this, so I'll have to go back and look, but apparently they unveiled like the schedule or whatever too. Maybe it was online, yeah. I guess. And it like beat the legends to the punch on the name announcement. By several hours, but no one noticed. But uh, and but like we all already knew, so like yeah. And knowing the way the front office operates, it was probably just an oversight. But part of me was like, wouldn't it be funny? Because Langston has been teasing for like over a month that this thing was going to happen, and like yeah. two weeks ago, Lexington was like on this date, and Lancaster's like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I realize you couldn't see me; it's an audio medium. That's my fault. But as long as Nick's happy, he got the effect. yeah. I mean, like I seen it, and it was kind of funny. So you know, that was good. Yeah, for all. Um, but yeah, it's just like I guess like my last thoughts on this is just like, and I understand like colloquially it's stormers, right? You just you don't you drop yeah. the first part of it. But I also feel like view it like the Diamondbacks are just called the D-backs, but you wouldn't just call them D-backs, like it's the formal official name, right? Or or the backs, really? Yeah, really. So like, so, so weird. Yeah, it's just that's the thing. It's not like I have that much of an issue with it. It's just like a weird decision, and like I just would love to know their internal thought process on it. Um, I have a theory, and you know, and I might have to investigate this later. And I, I apologize, that's not great podcast content, but I want to avoid the me researching mid recording here. Okay. Um, but part of me is like, I wonder if they missed a renewal on something. 
like a trademark. Because doesn't this feel like one of those like why type of things? And they have a great yeah. reputation too. So why would they change? I mean, they just won two championships. They have a great ballpark. They have seem to have a really good relationship with their fans. So it's not like Lexington when they chose the counterclocks because it was more of a, we need to be different quick. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm like searching for reasons. I, I don't, I, my brain doesn't want to believe they just were like, this is something that we should do and must do and not as an alternate, just as like Sunday stormers would have been a vibe. Yeah. Could have done that. I don't see anything about a trademark yeah. expiring but in fairness i've only looked at this for about 90 seconds so i mean we'll see but like that's what I, I guess if nothing else it's just that's exactly where i'm at on yeah um yeah it's just like on, I said, I just this like, entire rebrand is just so confusing yeah it's just like it's just not necessary so, I, I like the um sort of barn logo still being in the one lancaster storm like mm -hmm. the circular um I don't know if you've seen. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen that one. The one to double okay. X, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, but it's just still very odd, man. Yeah, it definitely is. But maybe uh, we'll have someone. Uh, now, I will say some of the people who are very vocal about it want to be on the pod. I'm not going to sign you up for that one. Um, maybe if I'm getting, and maybe if they start to gain a little traction, maybe we'll, I'll entertain it on my page if you don't want it. Yeah. But may, I mean, maybe when you have somebody on, then be like, what? <laughs> like, I, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry it's just it's still in summary man i'm just i'm confused it's not about the new brand being bad it's just about i don't understand moving on from the previous one yeah it just i guess i just would like to see the internal thought process because in that one yeah. it's hard to see but in this next one it's pretty straightforward which would be the lexington unveil this yes. thursday night unveil um it was largely expected to be the legends. It wound up being the legends again. They also mm -hmm. announced Greg Zahn as the club's manager for 2024. Studio yes. Simon did the mm -hmm. Mighty Lex logo. And Mighty mm -hmm. Lex is a personified baseball man type character. <laughs> check the social medias. Uh, it's all tweeted out there. Or check the show notes for all that too. So, yeah. What do you think? I think it's the right decision to go back to Legends. It was what was popular mm -hmm. in the area. Reviving a lot of the old logos too, probably a good decision. Because again, like, I get it. You want to sell merch and whatnot, but I'd be willing to sacrifice some merch sales for rebuilding loyalty in the area and rebuilding mm -hmm. trust in the community. Also, there's enough new stuff here where you can sell the new stuff too. I think, again, just it was popular in the area so you go with what's popular in the area and you start to rebuild everything that was essentially destroyed over the last two three years and start to climb back up the mountain and hopefully it works itself out as far as what i think about zon that's a different situation mm -hmm. that's an situation. interesting situation for sure um exactly i mean they do need a manalist so you know oh dude okay where do we begin with that because first i will say I think the I seen from what I've seen, I like the entire brand. Uh, I think the logo is good. They have the right elements. They kept the right elements from the Legends brand. Um, hmm. I've had I've expressed issues in the past. Here's a weird nitpick thing from working with it. They brought the L logo back. Interesting, but the um, the logo the if you ever had seen it, there was like a horseshoe. It was like a guy with a bat. It was a lot going on, and it was also a little tilted. So nothing you ever made graphics wise would ever look centered. It was uh, it would drive you nuts. So 
that good call. And the the guy with the bat, the baseball man, old school thing. I get it. Lean Mighty Lexer. He has yes, a name. obvious. Um, not Big L, which I always thought was a questionable name for a mascot. But I like that he has a mascot. Bring the or the uh, mustache. Bring the mustache back. It's a great move. That was one of the best pieces of branding. I mean, literally, you could. If your brand awareness gets solid enough, you can just put mustaches places and it works as branding. Like it's fantastic. Or, or mustache with QR codes. Like I love it. So uh, that side, we both agree on the branding that the branding's, you know, yes. turn up very solid. Now let's now. get the, the, the probably more interesting take here, which also I will say too, I find it hilarious that Lexington has to have a brand new uh, Twitter handle as well. Oh, I should say, I just, here's something, a podcast yeah. exclusive. Um, as it became evident that there would be a Lexington legend once again, yeah. uh, I decided to send back via Instagram uh, their TikTok login because oh, yeah? since being fired and because they didn't have their ducks in a row, they did not acquire that from me. And hmm. um, I kept it. So there's Petty Ryan. And they said, hey, do you have that? And I said, Nope, no idea, bud. No clue. But doesn't this go back to your phone number when we uh, answer the bathroom? And weird, didn't get it. Yeah. I got it every time. I got it every time. I ain't helping you out. But yeah, now they're legends again. All right, and new ownership. That's fine. So yeah, there you go. You got it back. There's there's the behind the scenes on Petty Ryan. But I just hope Andy Shake calls you and goes, oh, but you couldn't get the Facebook login? I know, right? How I, I wonder, I should check their Facebook and see how their ticket sales are going over there. You should. But, oh, uh, Charleston. Anyway, where were we? Well, we were talking about Greg Zahn and hiring a manless to man mm. the ship here. Goodness. It's. Mm. Do you want this? Or do I can start. I mean, like, it? here's the thing from a strictly baseball perspective, I think it's probably a good hire. Mm -hmm. Right? Agreed. Guys spent, what, a decade and a half in the majors? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to really say that's a bad decision to hire dude with that much major league experience, has done a bunch of other. Uh, things in baseball too. It's just the problem is if you look at Greg Zahn, uh, what would it be? He works Sportsnet, if I'm not mistaken, because it's Blue Jay mm -hmm. analyst. So yep. you go Greg Zahn, Sportsnet, departure, you're going to get a very interesting set of results. And I just don't know if that is what you want to bring into a new organization. Yeah. Um, okay. So I assume he's, um, I assume they're bringing him in because Lexington was not a very good setup for players, even though it should be by all accounts, but it was just very disorganized. And my read was they went the cheap way a lot when Andy was in town and that made it difficult. And then the new ownership didn't really do anything with it last year for players. And then this year they're going to have to kind of rebuild its ownership who's kind of new to the indie ball scene. So there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, from what I hear, I talked to some guys who worked with Greg in the Pioneer League, and he is um, he's for the boys for sure. Yeah. Uh, the he's I, he's got good reviews from clubhouse guys, from uh, players, and from some other staff members that have been around him. Uh, so that I assume is kind of to smooth that transition. Yeah. Uh, it's a good opportunity for him, so it makes sense to take it, even though it might be a bit of a gamble going to Lexington because it's new ownership and all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have, when you have a New York Times or a New York Post article that mentions that uh, female staffers detail the misery of working with MLB's quote manalist, it's a bad vibe. 
Yeah. Uh, essentially, he was fired for inappropriate behavior and comments with multiple women throughout the the office of the news station. It, it's um, it, it, like the whole brand they kind of brought to the table was like apparently this very like aggressively masculine vibe, and would like wear undershirts around the office and make like rude sexual comments about and like directly to the women, uh, or like where they could hear them. It, it was these were basically backed up by just about anybody. He didn't even try to deny it. It sounds like he was just like, oh, my bad. Okay. Yeah, no, he did, um, he did issue an apology a few months later, I believe it was, after he was yeah. fired. So there is that, but... Yeah, and then he did his own YouTube thing like called Manalist TV. Which that feels like you're not great. really sorry about it what doesn't you did. Feel, well, yeah. So, okay. You know, that's I'll, I'll the be thing. honest here. My initial read of that was Manalist is in like, oh, these women don't get it. Yeah, I, it, it did seem to be his pre-existing nickname was Manalist, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But to then steer back into it, it's tough because it is his brand at that point. But to yeah. steer back into it with the connotation that's like four men only after getting in trouble for that, it doesn't read well at the very least. And at the worst, it's like, what have we learned? It, yes, it's... Now, again, I've heard nothing. I, I didn't hear anything negative come out of his work in the Pioneer League. To be fair, to be fair. I did not speak to any of the women who worked with him because I don't, I'm not connected with them. I don't know them like that. I'm not going to slide into some woman's DM who's just trying to make it as a, a female working in the sports world and be like, hey, was this guy weird to you? <laughs> it just doesn't feel like a great interaction, though maybe it would be. Maybe I should be asking that question. That's on me for not fully knowing. That's my in summary. Um, it's a choice. It, more than anything, it's a choice for a team that needs good PR to bring in a guy who has had several years of bad PR. Yeah, and like I should point out that the whole instant thing happened at the end of 2017, so it's been a while Thank since you, yes. that happened. But it was also enough to get you fired. So like, yes. that's the thing. And the fact he really hasn't been picked up by any other major like news corporation tells me either he's not worth the headache, at least from an analyst perspective, or that there is an ongoing issue, one or the other. Now, I think it's probably more the prior than the latter. Just why bring that headache in when you could go ahead and just get a more recently retired player that's probably more appealing to the precise fan base or has more of a brand recognition. But even still, like... I don't really know where I land on it. Like, it's not a good look. I agree 100% on the PR perspective of it. Not great look. That being said, how many choices do they have for this opening? Right? Like, if you don't have too many guys that really want to throw their hand up and say, oh, I'll take it, then, you know, if he's the best candidate you have, you hire the best candidate you have, right? Right. I would say, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of connection between him and ownership because this late in the year, it tends to be an I know a guy type of thing. Yeah. And I feel like we may have mentioned this at one other point, right? Like when the mm -hmm. sale went down, everything, I feel like we did research into him because we were like, ooh, this could be, yes. this could be something. So I'll be interested to see how that shakes out and how long he stays in the position, too. I mean, like, if it's a one off thing and that's it and then there's no other problems, then it is what it is. But if it's, remains to be an ongoing theme then it's a problem and you gotta you know gotta be handled mm -hmm. yeah yeah man um 
Yeah, I don't have much else to add. It, it yeah. is just going to be a lot of wait and see. And, you know, maybe it's changed. Yeah, it's just but, very delicate. That's the problem. It's extremely delicate in the way it goes. They I'm not going to sit it. here and say somebody shouldn't work again based on stupid behavior several years ago. Because back in 2017, 2016, I believe I found myself in jail for two weeks for partying too hard. So I think I New probably, Orleans, and I'm open about it. I don't care. Like, so whatever. But like, I'll be the first one to say like, yo, like I'm people change. Like I, I then worked for multiple years with children at a church, like helping teens get their lives together. So like, whatever. Um, I, so I will not say like that he's not a different person and that be, he should never be allowed to work again. I, but what I'm saying is, you know, it, it's something to be aware of and, and it, one, something to be aware of and something to like, hopefully we see that he has made some changes and also uh, <laughs> that it is a bold choice for from a PR standpoint for a team that needs good PR. I think that's fair to say we're not overly judging just to say at face value, that's what we're looking at. Exactly. It's just, it's not always the best decision to hire a dude that has a section on Wikipedia that's titled firing. Well, and don't forget the Metro report too. Oh yeah, that too. And the whole steroid thing. But I mean, that seems to be a, a lower priority thing. Yeah, I know. Metro report is what it is. I mean, I, I have mixed feelings on it myself. Yeah. Like I'm not going to necessarily fault an aging catcher in a league full of guys taking steroids for being connected to steroids. Full disclosure, I kind of think it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also a lot of people were using roids. So, like, sure, you surprised a dude trying to hang on. It's going to be like, you know, everybody else is using. Them. I might as well try to, you know, do what I can to extend my career. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Right. So, I think that just about covers the both rebrands and whatnot. Moving from rebrands to, in a sense, relocations, but not in the traditional meaning. Which is to say, the Oakland Ballers were going to be playing at Laney College. They're not going to be playing at Laney College anymore. They're going to be moving to Raymundi Field in West Oakland. The team's going to spend approximately $1.6 million in the ballpark to enhance it with upgrades, including scoreboard upgrades, uh, track man, Portable bleachers that will hold up to two and a half thousand fans, as well as uh, some improvements done to the drainage and irrigation systems, as well as work done to the warning tracks. Temporary lockers or locker rooms will be added uh, to the facility as well. This is currently a one-year agreement, but there is an extension in the works. So thoughts on moving from Laney College to Raymundi Field. I mean, I feel like we kind of read the room pretty early on that Laney didn't seem feasible. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a Pecos League field. Let's call it what it is. Um, I mean, it's surrounded by a lot of abandoned cars slash junkyard. Um, and the satellite image of it is a rough situation. So I don't know. They got a lot of work to do before, you know, first pitch, but yeah. I guess they still have several months. So they got time and apparently money. So, I mean, I'm going to trust it on that one. Uh, as long as they can figure out parking, it is, I don't really know the area like that, but it, yeah. it's, uh, I it's in there. I believe that they were going to try to get there. a park. <laughs> yeah. I think they were going to try to get a BART stop in there too. So mass transit would mm-hmm. be fairly local and nearby there. But yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, look at some of the overhead pictures. Admittedly, uh, this field is in rough condition and it feels 
honestly, it feels less Pecos leaguey and more like Pacific Association like. I mean, yeah, it's like three sixty to dead center, which is fascinating. Yeah, that's this is not to bring up the baseball logistics side of this. I know that's not really been the the general tone when it comes to how they're going to make this work, but I'm just going to point it out. Um, Yeah, I mean, like I'm just like looking at this field right now, and man, like I see like some mock-ups here, right? Like I see like this. mm -hmm graphic design as to what it's supposed to look like and i'm still just not seeing it like it feels a little optimistic yeah it it feels like there's just too much work to be done in like the time frame you need to get it done in a b it also feels like running a professional baseball organization out of this field is just like such a tough scene on it yeah, just generally speaking, this is a rough situation here. Mm-hmm. And I think they're making what was already not exactly the easiest situation to work. Something that, while, yeah, you had a lot of local support, a lot of fan support working towards, you made it just that much more difficult. And, ah, uh, God, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Okay, so, so many things just went through my head in, in about a few seconds here. Because, yeah. um first thought was it really is giving me hinchla vibes the way they're really pushing the historic factors um about that too i went over to the brody brazil video about this um i still don't know what to make of him but Mm -hmm. it's got some feedback on it just to see the comments because there's gonna be a lot of locals still a lot of positivity around it um I, i do think though his video is a little optimistic um However, I think also there's some motivation from the city. I mean, they're getting a park basically fixed up for, you know, on the cheap and it's getting really, really well cleaned up. So that's maybe part of this here. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm also going to note that like just in the comments is just like apparently the Ogden owner just like dropping in to say thanks. Hilarious vibe. So confused by Ogden still. Um, Yeah, but I don't I don't want to be negative. I, so I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, it's definitely not an ideal setup. And, yeah. you know, okay. I don't know. It's a very optimistic view of things. Is that a coincidence? A drop like Riser about to sell some tickets. I mean, you, they had to have the stadium announcement done yeah. for them to sell tickets because what are you buying tickets to? I would not be surprised to see this change a little bit. Plus, I have the question is this now. Like, where are their offices? Is this going to be a situation of their offices are... Are way away from everything else? Yeah. Plus, I I don't know, what's the the area like as well? You know, like... There are office buildings and, like, maybe condos across the street that look nice and new. Okay. So, honestly, the area... So, essentially, the vibe I'm getting is... uh, Back to where it was. Let's see. Looks like first let's call it left nope i'm backwards it's right field so like right field seems to be new condos you've got left field is like a glass plant it looks like and then down the third baseline it's like junkyard possible oh it's a tent city boys now this is in the most recent photography oh it's from 2024 okay so a bit of a tent city um 
Ooh, yeah, there's a joke in there. I can do it. Shout yeah. out San Francisco. Anyway, um, yeah. the thing I just see San Francisco shared. represented with the new Oakland team. There's the joke I wanted. Um, and then it would apparently is it seems to be a junker on the other side. There's more park down the first baseline. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing. The area is a little bit concerning to me. I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. I really do. But it kind of is giving me like running for class president kind of vibes. We're like, we're doing all these different things and we're going to do so much stuff around here. And then you didn't really, you know, cross every T. And now you got to go like, okay, so Laney College isn't going to work, but this will work. I mean, yeah, like a lot was promised at Laney College too. So yeah, we're, we're bailing on that. Yeah. That, like yeah it's, it's negative. I get it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, it's tough uh, to say. You know who is in my head. Yeah. What's the what's the, the you know the guy the owner? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, he was on Effectively Wild, man. I love Effectively Wild. Yeah. I didn't love the vibe. Yeah. Still, of course, I'm biased at this point because I've kind of made up my mind in, in some ways about it. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't surprise it me to see you know yeah. some promises on something and then the moment big promises and then the moment you realize the details are completely unfeasible you go oh and this now this now actually go look at this thing this is what we're doing now and look how great it is it's historic it's great and like okay what if this turns into a garbage fire and, and did they say they're doing all their home games there i feel like they said only part of the season or was i off on that i feel like it's probably most of the season if not all no I guess I don't know why I I had it, that it might be split, but I mean I could be wrong, but it's still. Well, I just I don't think they would forty eight home games at the park. You're right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's it's just a red flag. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it. It's all it is. It's not saying it's going to suck. It's not saying it's going to be an issue. It's not saying it's going to be Hinchliff, but it's a red flag, and that's from the point of view of what we already have seen around indie ball and with other organizations like it's uh, i don't know i'd love to hear more about laney college yeah like it just for the from the perspective of what does it look like when you say you're going to do something whereas it doesn't work did it leave on good terms is everybody happy is this like we agreed it was for the best or is this like you know yeah tough we're out because this yeah. has to work for us and which i mean is the thing but just be transparent about it like because i'm sorry looks like the oakland ballers have already bailed on as many stadiums as the oakland a's have in oakland mm, like it's kind of a bad vibe yeah saying, like i want to know what the whole not bailing yeah i need yeah. to know what the backstory is on it That's and like funny. i get it like again like i'm also like what's the what's the crime map looking like for this area too? I mean, keep in mind, Laney didn't necessarily have the best vibe, like on the crime. Yeah, beat. like that's I think that's something that's important. <laughs> I'll to say the too. thing too. I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean that's important too. It's like there, it's not like Laney was perfect, but we all were like, oh well, Laney's going to be the temporary home for like a couple of three years, and then they'll get like an actual stadium, right? Yeah, and now, now it's like this well, also isn't. Uh, stadium either so yeah and the thing is like if you're gonna put 1.6 million into it 
you're not staying there for like three years and leaving. And and I'll point out the thing too, which is I'm I'm in decisive about whether or not what's going on with the Oakland A's right now is a good thing or a bad thing for them. Because I think like, it's a bad thing to be honest with you. Right. All right. So I don't think they're going to stay in Oakland. I think it's gone too far. However, um, oh, Raymondi. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll send it to you. Um, so uh, I don't think they're going to stay in Oakland, but they might be in there for a few years. And like that is on one side a nightmare because you have the you know the team is still there the mlb competition is right there on the other hand it's good because you can continue to you know like we've said before they can continue to needle at it and poke at it and it's us and it's them and look at them look at us you know while they're in town because i always said it was going to be weird once they left but they're still trying to draw the comparisons um i just i don't know um it's I think I found it. It's like orange on the crime map. I got to remember what that means, though. Um, yeah, and like I don't want to sound super negative. Like I like, I, I've said before, I like this like project, for lack of a better term. I yeah. just, it's very worry. interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's I I don't want it to be a mess because this is so public now. Like I hope they understand this is so public, and this isn't just a gl- a glamour project. And I know they said it's not, but okay is not like this cannot just be it's real now you have people in five years i don't want to be like i don't want to hear that he was the guy oh he's the guy who did that a team in oakland remember that thing like that news story and now it's in the past already it was just something some right like just some yeah you don't you want to avoid the very thing we were saying yeah where it's like oh we're just going to throw this here and see if we can't capitalize on the spite of this of the a's leaving and two or three years later, once everyone's kind of gotten over it, then we're just screwed. I continue to say, I think the intentions of the people within the organization are good. I don't trust the people at the top of it. And frankly, I don't trust the city of Oakland. Um, mm. I think any, and I think along with this, there's all the positive things being said by the city of Oakland. But of course, because it's cheaper to have the Oakland ballers and the Oakland days, call it what it is. They're equally responsible for the team leaving. Um, so yeah they in in, they're getting the oakland politicians are getting some sort of credit for having a professional team there that cost a fraction of what an mlb team would cost to have so you know yeah and and in the meantime you just already have seemingly no plan and it's so nerve-wracking to watch this because i feel like it's gonna be messy i just don't see any other way and the thing that i wonder here is right Let's say either the A's stick around for an extra couple of years or even better yet, if the situation in Vegas falls apart, no other city really wants to step up to the plate and, you know, take them and they're stuck in Oakland and they wind up staying there. Let's say Fisher winds up selling. Mm-hmm. Then what's the plan? What's the plan? You have a Pioneer League team that, that is, is sitting a major in a market. Risk. Yeah. Like that's the thing, and you're seeing now all sorts of different insiders and reporters that all focus on Major League Baseball, all saying the same thing. Where it's like, A's don't really have a plan right now, and if Vegas falls apart, no one's surprised. Mm-hmm. It's very Arizona Coyote esque, 
where it's just like, oh, they leap before they uh, actually saw what was underneath them. They were just like, yeah, somewhere down there, there's a ledge, and I'll land on the ledge. And they didn't realize, oh, wait, that ledge is pretty small, and it's pretty far down there, and I got to make sure this is timed exactly right. Otherwise, I'm going to fall into a chasm. Yeah, man. What? Yeah, screen sharing, it's easier. Just do that. Yeah, let's see. Oh, hold up. I think we're good. Okay. Let's pick the worst possible way to format something, which is classic. Um, send I'm just going to DM that shit probably on Twitter. All right. Yeah. Sorry for unnecessary no, right, I got Twitter up, so you're good. Cool. Um, yeah. And I know I'm so cautious about being the negative guy, but it's just like, I'm sorry, if you're making news, you're probably doing something weird. <laughs> and if you're yeah. doing something weird, it's a high probability. I'm like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. And it just, it feels like when you have to hype this up that much, you know, it's not a good look. They're selling. Like, yeah. And what I keep coming back to, I guess my main concern outside the facility itself and making sure that everything is done on time in the next roughly three months, three and a half months. It's just that you made a big deal, called the big press conference, did all that comes along with that, right? Mm-hmm. And now you got to turn around and, well, you got to go ahead and eat that one. And and where I get very protective is, I lo- I've said, I love indie ball so much. I love it. And it's so rarely in the proper spotlight and it's gotten so much attention. And if, if this dude and his little group come in to indie ball and then stand on stage and go, Hey, everyone, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And, and everyone looks at them to see the performance and they pull their pants down and take a shit. I'm going to be furious. And I'm going to go as far as I possibly can to make sure whatever sketchy fake college academic endeavor he has next is completely ruined by the fed. I don't care. Yeah. Like I would have, I would make a call every day. I will call every student who's ever gone to one of those schools until that guy is bankrupt. I don't care. I will be livid, dude. Yeah. I mean, as you should be. I mean, the thing is, like, a I, lot of people see it as just, it's what it is. It's the sideshow. It's what it is. But there's so many people's lives, people's lives that are on thank the line you. with it. Yes. It's lives, it's careers, it's not just players alone who admittedly, you know, what you get in the Pioneer League, you get in the Pioneer League. We understand, and every player going into the Pioneer League understands the odds of you advancing higher up. Because already just to make a career in baseball, the odds are slim. Mm -hmm. It's something you know walking in. But you don't need to make that even more difficult with garbage ownership that goes in haphazardly, that doesn't treat it the way it needs to be treated which is not just some sort of fun like side activity it's not the way you would run like an expansion team in the show it's an actual real baseball team that has dozens of employees and dozens of people that will uproot their lives to spend either the whole year or half the year there putting themselves on the line, putting their careers on the line to try and 
build an organization up and to try and, you know, get to that next professional level. So to just treat it haphazardly is a slap in the face to all of them. And not to mention when you do something as public as this, when it fails, it makes everything look bad. And the already existing stereotype, as we were discussing a bit last week of, oh, that's just what indie ball is. When you give them ammunition like this to just reinforce the current belief and stereotype, you don't undo that damage. There's just no way to do it because it's just way too reinforced. Yeah, really. And it's one of those ones, two words, like it takes so much to build up mm. indie ball and like legitimize and show people what it actually is and all it takes is like one dumb thing happening that reinforces what people think it is to knock it so much rip back down so much faster so yeah and and to the point of like so many lives are wrapped up in this and we're talking about employees we're talking about careers we're talking about futures frankly that's why this was a red flag this owner since the jump with his like sketchy college background so like you know that's why i've got a couple messages in the back they're like dude you're too hard on him you're too critical about it that's not really what it is but i've read the paperwork like it's kind of what it is so we're not saying this is going to be a, a bad situation but what i'm saying is i'm still watching this because i don't trust it at all and until there is not only a six opening day success is not even going to be uh, it. Like it better be prolonged and looking out for the community the way it says it's going to look out for the community and you know backing up what they say they're going to do and saying they're going to be at Laney College and they're going to make a bunch of improvements to Laney College's field and facilities and then being like, hmm, this is hard. Never mind. Is a bad vibe if that's how this went. Yeah, I, I see exactly where you're coming from on it, and it's just like. Opening day is just one milestone that you have to hit, but there's a bunch more along the way. And that's where my concern becomes. And it just, there's just so much that's wrapped up in it, right? It's not even, it's not even like limited just to this organization. Keep in mind, they still own the YOLO team too, by the way. Yes, they do. That's just something you got to watch. So, if this goes south, it affects two franchises and that largely affects the league as well. Yeah. So it, it's, there's a lot into it. There's a lot into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it, the critique really is more or less just, I don't even want to call it skepticism, but it's just like, I think it's impressing upon the importance of the situation and how if it's bad, it is really genuinely bad. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, it's not a good luck and, you know, they'll have to do something quickly to fix it type of situation. It's genuinely like, no, if it goes bad and this situation is what it can be on a you know level of disaster, it's more than just like, uh, well, that's a shame. It's like, oh, no, this is a problem type of situation yeah i agree shades of the texas augie garrido post game rant in the, it's not a game don't you get that we're talking about our lives <laughs> but that's that's i mean not to compare myself but i that is exactly why i'm upset <laughs> i'm just like ugh. 
<sighs> that's it. I'm glad you get it though. You make me feel a little more yeah. sane. Well, yeah, because I think the thing is when you're close to the situation and you know all the people in there and you know what they have to give up and you know the situation behind it, then you know that it is more than just like, oh, it's a baseball team. It didn't work out. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, hell, dude, I've been on the other end of it. I know. I, better than damn near anyone. Yeah. I mean, anyone that's ever even remotely considered like, you know, I'd like to work in sport understands like, wait a minute. It's not just like, an office job where you show up like nine to five and then you go home and then like you do some cool fun stuff with some spreadsheets and everything. No, it's like you genuinely spend the whole day in the case of baseball at the ballpark, you're doing a little bit of everything. And especially when you're in the baseball op side of thing and you have to go and give your word like, Hey man, you come here, you come to play here we can make your, we can extend your career. We can improve your career. And then if it doesn't wind up working out, having two months down the road, go to the same player, look him in the eye and tell him, Hey man, we got to let you go. You're just not performing and know that, Hey, I very well could be ending a man's career. It's serious shit. The whole thing is serious. And not to mention the people starting out and really most of the people in the whole thing. It's not like you're doing this for the money. There's no money in it on this level. You're doing it because you love doing baseball. You love being involved in sport. That's why you're doing it. You're doing it for the emotional payoff. Otherwise, why the hell would you work long hours in largely whatever the hell the elements are that given day? It could be 105 or it could be 55 and driving rain. Do all that for like 38000 a year? Yeah, that's that's what I want to do. Like, come on everyone knows why this is and so if you want to go ahead and cut the legs out on a bunch of people across that spectrum guys that are just starting out and give them pretty much nothing to be able to have on their resume like hey look i was part of this team that fell apart and failed like you can go and call the failed ownership here but they're probably going to put some blame on me for whatever reason because they couldn't manage their shit or you cutting the legs out on guys that have been in the industry for a while and probably gave up some sort of security to come and take a chance here. And you're just screwing them over. And then you have just regular folk that said, hey, you know what, I want to try this thing. And gave up what was probably, on paper, a better position to be in to give it one shot at doing what they truly wanted to do. And it ain't right to do it with people like that. So if you're not doing everything you can to make sure the organization succeeds, then it speaks more volumes about the actual people running the organization. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I got to try to paint this more positively than I currently am. And I just can't, <laughs> I, I feel so bad about it. Kind of, well, but, like, but it's like, you're telling me that when the entre- the educational entrepreneur and the movie guy got together, that they weren't sure how to make a community college ballpark into a professional ballpark in five months, I, I would be shocked. Yeah. That's, yeah. Trying to be positive, I don't know. I mean, even people from the league, anonymous people, so what does it mean? It means nothing, whatever. I'll say it anyway. Um, like multiple times people have been like, this is not good. Like people who mentioned it beforehand are like, this is a bad book. So they can spin it any way they want. 
if something didn't work. See, that's, and that's the question I want to answer. Yeah. What didn't work? Was it that they started saying things that they couldn't deliver? They got ahead of themselves. They didn't realize what the zoning looked like. They didn't realize what the college was up for. They, or they didn't realize what the, the timing of this would have to look like. I, something went wrong, and I'd love to know what, so that we can all, like, for accountability. Like, if they want to be all about accountability, what went wrong with Laney? Tell us. And then let's see what you do better. How did you grow from this? Because like they can say this is the next big exciting announcement, but this is the first failure of an organization we have both been very much like wary of. And it, that's the reason I'm like, I want to spotlight it, not to be like, yeah, look at this failure. I'm saying like, let's look at this so they know that people are paying attention and they are accountable to someone other than their ego. Yeah. And I was trying to like spin it to like the okay, this could be a positive thing. If it winds up being a situation where it's just like Laney just wasn't able to accommodate mm -hmm. them, like the facility work out. I don't know, maybe let's say there's like a lack of stanchion lighting or or something like that. So if that is the case here, then all right, you could call it as all right, well, this will fit a lot more into the uh narrative that they have going on of like this is the team for oakland about oakland you put it right in the middle of oakland it really does make uh you know make it go a little bit more in sync with that kind of look we're all about oakland we're all about the bay kind of thing here um it also could just be a case of when you're on a college site you're dealing with more bureaucracy throughout that's certainly a possibility here and if it's a matter of look we wanted to come in, we wanted to do all these things, but now you're not able to do it because whether you had to fight with the state or with the college or with the city or with all the above, if you could cut that down to just like, hey, we just deal with the city, that makes life easier. That could right. very well be it too. And who knows? Maybe it's like, all right, we're going to do all this work with Laney, but if they're not willing to commit to a long-term deal, why do we want to invest all that money in something where we're not going to be in for 10 years? Right. When you could say, mm -hmm. well, let's start investing in Raymondi and we could presumably stay there for a while and you just go ahead and, you know, keep the ballpark. I don't want to say keep it presentable, but keep it to the point where it is acceptable to play professional baseball games in it until there comes a point where maybe we have enough traction and enough. I don't want to say enough clout because that makes it sound so like so trivial, but to have enough standing in the community where you could push to have an actual minor league stadium built that you could use. Maybe that's it. I'm also trying to give them the benefit of the doubt on the way it's going here, but that's one way of looking at it. And I suppose this is better than having the same situation in say 10 months from now, right? If we come back and it's like November, December of 24, and we find out, oh, look, they're fighting with Laney College. And it's like, oh, well, so they're basically doing a jackal speed run mm -hmm. where you fight with the college that first was there. Go and then you're going to go move to... And claim it's for yeah, the history. Some, How about this one? Yeah, for the history. It's just off the highway in a rough part of town. But don't worry about that. What's the parking like? Uh, we'll work on a deal with some of the neighboring warehouses. Like... You know, the Mercury News is straight reporting that uh, talks between the bees and Laney fell apart over the team's request to build several thousand more seats at the school's scenic baseball field, which currently seats 250. That was the whole premise. They, they fell apart not over the detail, it fell over the core idea. 
that's where I'm like, what? Either you, what are you doing? What are you saying? Are you just talking and then assuming that it'll just come to fruition for you? Or literally are you so hard to work with that you were like, we want to expand your baseball stadium. They were like, yes. And then after working with you for a while, they're like, no. Or I mean, it could be zoning, I guess. That could be the problem. But it does seem to be kind of between Laney. It, I mean, it, it, between them fell apart. Yeah, it yeah. I mean, like, like it was officials at the Peralta Community College District said that that's what caused the talks to fall apart. That's from the community college. People. That, that's why earlier on I said it feels like a grade school class president situation. Because you remember back in grade school, whenever people would run and they'd be like, oh, well, we're going to have like a swimming pool on the roof and pizza Fridays and all this other weird stuff that you're like under no circumstance will adults actually allow that to occur. It feels like they came in like that. was like, Oh, we're going to do all these upgrades. We're going to have all these community outreach programs. And look, we're going to have this other sister team right here. And then there may be more teams coming. There could be so much here. The whole city is invested in it. And it's like, I don't doubt that there was a lot that was grounded in that. I don't doubt that prior to making that announcement, you had an agreement to make an agreement with Laney College and that both sides were interested in the proposal and were willing to advance it to an actual serious discussion phase. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt that there was a lot of groundwork on a lot of projects here. Essentially, you already cleared the, the job site. And it was a matter of you started to put up the rebar and the actual skeleton of the thing and realized, wait a minute, we can't build here kind of a situation. In other words... They jumped the yes, gun on a lot of stuff here. Thing. Um, and we do need to move on from this, but because this yeah. all could be for nothing, it could be fine. But it's just looking at local reporting, and I want to shout it out that article I was looking at from the Mercury News. It, they were on this on the 8th, actually. And of February or of, uh, of February? Okay, because I saw the one tweet that had the flyer saying about this from January 7th. Yeah. So, and if you go on to Reddit, there's a Baller subreddit and an Oakland mm-hmm. subreddit that have been talking about this since the end of January, beginning of February. Mm, that is very interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, this reporting had pointed out a couple interesting notes on it. It's just that mm-hmm. um, the to uh, do. Okay heavily industrial part of West Oakland with warehouses and nameless office buildings. The closest bus stop is at an intersection flooded by trucks and vans lumbering onto Interstate 880 while the park itself has no available parking. That's a problem. Uh, Yeah, past the concrete barriers and a tiny set of bleachers is a vast verdant and somewhat muddy athletic field and then starts to go on to the fact that they are sniffing around. Now at the time, so yeah, so Laney was already people from the uh, Peralta Community College District were already at the time like yeah talks have fallen apart <laughs> um, but I mean we we knew about this like a few weeks ago I think so not yeah. that surprising um, how about though look this might not necessarily be again I'm going to give two sides real quick Yeah, it might not necessarily be all on the ballers it might not be at all um, the Last year, the men's soccer franchise, Oakland Roots SC, similarly abandoned its field at Laney over a field turf issue, opting to play at Cal State East Bay in Hayward while it searches for a semi-permanent home. Um, and then in the late 2010s, the A's were trying to build a 35,000-seat stadium, but they shot that idea down 
so like it's yeah so it's been an issue okay boy this is getting more interesting actually i don't want to just read from the article but um yeah. it, so it does seem like laney has uh or partially a reputation for chasing teams out but also partially a reputation for be like we don't need you um and also how you should know that before you go in another interesting note is uh <laughs> oof um Raymondi Park, meanwhile, has been through hard times until last year. It was directly neighbored by Northern California's largest homeless encampment. Buddy, the largest in Northern California? That's like what Northern California does. Sorry to stereotype it. Like, shout San Francisco. This is and notably bad. This is getting so much worse. I know. Now, tenants were cleared by government officials in a painful process that concluded last year. The park is intrinsically light, linked to baseball. Uh, oh, God. All right. Wait, so Fine. they gave this homeless encampment the old Eric Adams special? Oh, yeah. No no word on whether or not baseball bats were involved, but I feel like it would have been appropriate. Um, oh, dude, refers to the Pioneer League as obscure. Not real friendly on that one. Tough scene. Yeah, wow. When they phrase it that way, it's tough. Franchise will compete in the obscure Pioneer League. Cheap where the players are not part of the Major League Farm system and where games are decided by home run derbies instead of extra innings. When you frame it that way, it feels bad. Got to be honest. Um, In fairness, though, mm. I will say to their credit, their website did crash from the demand for tickets after they... Right, uh, yeah, so they, they're doing something right. Yeah, so the fans want to go. They want to be there. They want to support this. But mm. it's like you're not making it easy. Yes. Yeah, that's it. It's right there for you. It's right there for you. Just don't, don't drop the ball. You're so close, dude. It, it's they have the such ballers. they have such shut up. They have such a head start on every other organization. They have so much social media clout right now. They have so much attention. They have so many people talking about them. So They're selling tickets press. like crazy for a brand new organization that that's so hard to do. You might think new organization. Everyone wants to see them. I'm telling you. Most indie ball teams, when they move to a new town and they're like, we're here, sell like trash. Like, it is not good. They have so many advantages if they squander this. So help me God, Nick, I'm going to lose it. I could see now. You're just going to put, I'm just going to see a random Instagram story post with an Oakland geo tag. It's just, yeah, it's not going to be good. I mean, you know, you know, you saw the Gastonia reporting. I'll go there. I'll get in. Do a live on-scene report. Dude, I, yeah, I'm serious. Like, I will be so mad. I don't know what else to say. I'm not trying to be super negative. It's just, I don't know. So, I'm going to use this as my off-ramp to transition into the final piece of news, because we have an interview we do have to promote. Um, Jack Jennings on the show, by the way. It's a good interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, In any case, um, what lasts longer, the Oakland Ballers or Steve Montgomery's extension? Because he's now been extended to 2032 along with Bobby Post. Hmm. He was the team's pitching coach, by the way. Thanks, Uh, Steve Montgomery hangs around a while. I feel good about it. Yeah. So you think Montgomery outlives the Ballers? Um, Oof. I don't know. That's close. 
Um, let me think here. Yeah, extension. Mm, yeah, I think so. Dude, I'm not convinced that the A's don't outlast the ballers. Sorry. Yikes. Because oh, it's not to go backwards. I'm just saying, I think the. I think if Oakland, if the A's hang out in Oakland for another two years longer, I, I think the odds every day go up that they sell. As the Las Vegas thing becomes a headache, as he realizes this is going to be a mess no matter where I go, when he realizes that he's going to have to go to Salt Lake City where who knows what beer sales look like, I would sell it. He's probably going to sell it. He's going to do it in a way where the fans don't get to feel like they won. Whatever, screw them. But like, and then what? And then he sells somebody the bigger fish, the the uh, the the big boy Paul Friedman, who will take his major league money and keep a team in Oakland. He folded overnight, dude. That's why. That's what I'm so worried about. I'm among everything else. I'm worried about that's everything. A I think I have like really either, crushingly but. anxiety, but that's fine. I'll work that out in therapy someday. But specific to the Oakland Ballers, I'm worried about a surprising amount. I just want they, to they occupy a lot of my thoughts. I want to point out while you're having like a small like coming to Jesus moment on mental health. I was trying to get a point <laughs> in to say not only are beer sales going to be bad in Salt Lake City, but just a stereotype, just caffeine and soda. So I don't think that would sell well either. Mm, true, they love a root beer though. Um, it's Steve Montgomery. It's a good move. Yes. I mean, yes. we have no argument there. We, yeah, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Yeah. Uh, the I think he's back. We probably rate yeah. him like a B plus or something. And I just want to point out how Jack, how Jack mentioned that in the interview, our C minus manager. And I was just like, that list is going to come back to bite us in the ass still ain't it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, I, we're not done with that one. I already oh, know. No. We're going to keep hearing about that one. It. Yeah. I got a few DMS already. <laughs> hmm. It's going to start to get bad during the season when the guys we rate highly do poorly and the guys we rate poorly do well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough look for sure. Um, also, I would leave a B, by the way. Don't ever look up us on uh, Reddit. Oh, yeah? It's anxiety producing, yeah. Oh. We get kind of mentioned a good bit, I feel oh, like. That's not good. It's going to be fine, I think. Uh, so, Mongo, yeah, honestly. Again, probably the best you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Probably was waiting to sign that extension until the whole, you know, baseball element of it got worked out to make sure that they have a ballpark. Mm -hmm. Um, and once I got done, you know, no reason to not take care of it. So good for him for staying there. Good for the explorers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Much more to no, say, yeah. It is the reason I circled right back to the ballers days conversation. So I was like, I like it. I don't know what else to say. It's just, it was a great move to make. I mean, it's a, almost a must, you know, the, the, he has the pre-existing relationship. seems to be a good vibe. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we promote this interview and then we'll go from there. So we got an interview, Jake Jennings. He mm -hmm. does baseball ops for doc counts. We have any thoughts we want to say about it, or do we want to just say, here's the interview and then talk about it. Uh, yeah, something like that. I don't really have much else to add other than I was really happy. I didn't know him before this. I have never spoken to him, and I'd really enjoy both the time. And hopefully, I didn't you know sidetrack us too far talking about uh, the ins and outs of baseball operations in the American Association. But 
Yeah, man. Had a good time. Very insightful as a young guy coming up um, sort of straight into the deep end, really. So, uh, yeah, man. Good conversation. I hope people enjoy it. Yeah, see, that's the thing that always strikes me whenever we do uh, these interviews and we start talking to people that are in baseball ops and then they're all like, oh, yeah, I'm 24. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that, like, all these front office people are younger than me. Not by much, but, like, still, I, I forgot about that. So it is interesting, it's but it also tells jarring. me that, like, yeah. yeah. But at the same point in time, though, it tells you, like, okay, there's, like, it's such a great ground for proving yourself. And, like, there's a lot of younger people that are really talented at this. Yeah. No, you're right. It was through me. I was older than Coltac in Lexington. I was like, huh? <laughs> it just threw me off, man. I'm, I'm ancient, apparently. In any of all uh, front office terms, I think I'm, I'm ancient. Any case, why don't we go ahead and throw it to the interview we did with Jack Jennings, the director of baseball operations for the Lake Country Dog Council. We return with another interview in the long-running interview series, and this week we go back to both data and baseball, which we never really left from. That's how great I am at intros. In any case, you know who's actually got the job? The new director of baseball operations for the Lake Country Dockhounds, Jack Jennings. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, guys. How are you doing? You know, getting good, by. Man. Yeah, you know. through the hardest part of this, which is me doing an intro, so that's good. Hey, I'm excited yeah. to be on. It's cool to hear my intro on this show. You know, after hearing so many other intros, listen to Mike Pinto's a few weeks ago. It's uh, it's cool. It's cool to get my own kind of in there. Yeah, and I, you were very complimentary of the show, which is the right way to start, but also not the best way to establish that you have good judgment. But we do appreciate the kind words prior to uh, getting this going here. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm excited to be talking to you because, uh, frankly, I we, we have not crossed paths, and yeah. I know very little about you and that's fun because very often you either need to do the tell the audience about yourself which is kind of a weird vibe so this yeah. is this going to be me possibly asking stupid questions but like very possibly being like tell me about yourself yeah um, where were you born no uh please don't start there um but nick you and jack were the first you jack is your guest on your podcast so I will uh, let you take back podcast. over if you want to start this uh, over before I really make the spiral out of control in the ways that I do. I suppose I could do that. I mean, you said I may ask stupid questions. I mean, you may ask stupid questions. And I mean, that's no different from regular questions you ask. So, I mean, that's pretty standard around here. Uh, but yeah, so I guess like the best way to start off would be what was it like last year working with Lake Country? Obviously, it's, it was the second year of the team. And yeah. you're coming over from doing a little bit of work over in Milwaukee with the Milkman, not exactly one for one, but a little bit like that. So I guess what's the difference between the two uh, Wisconsin teams? Yeah, I mean, so with the Milkman, I was I was just in their retail. Um, yeah. So I just I just worked in their store and kind of helped with merchandise along with uh, the owner, Mike Zimmerman and his wife. And so. You know, that that was kind of what warmed me up to indie ball. You know, yeah. I, I'll say I'll start it out by saying I kind of fell in love with indie ball when I viewed the film uh, Battered Bastards of Baseball. Okay, talking yeah. about Portland. Mm, do it. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll catch you. So, yeah, I kind of fell in love with indie baseball then and then kind of started looking into the history, you know, really got into the Atlantic League. But obviously none of them, none of those teams were really around here. Uh, and then kind of found out about the American Association really when the Milkmen started coming around. So 
I had worked for, if you guys are familiar with the Northwoods League at all, yeah. I worked, yeah, so I started with the uh, Lakeshore Chinooks when I was 15, so I worked there uh, five total years, so it was about 16 to like 21, but in 2020, uh, obviously COVID canceled a lot of people's seasons, so I was kind of scrambling, I wanted to stay in baseball, wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And uh, one of somebody I'd worked with with the Chinooks had moved into a kind of leadership role over at the Milkmen. So sent a few emails and said, hey, are you just looking for some help game day operations type stuff? And then I joined, uh, you know, their operations staff in 2020. And then obviously got to be around that, you know, great championship team. And I kind of knew then that this was kind of the route that I wanted to go down and possibly be, you know, starting baseball operations within an indie league and then just kind of went from there. So, I mean, my role night and day from Milkmen to yeah. uh, Doc Hounds night and day, but it's been, it's been fantastic working with the Doc Hounds so far. I've, I've loved it. Yeah. And I, I definitely can see that. And I imagine I shouldn't say what I imagine. I'm going to directly ask, like, what was the exact moment or the exact uh, kind of through line that is appealing about indie ball to you? Because I think it's going to be what I think it is. I mean, it'd be weird if it wasn't what yeah. I think it is. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, so I guess I, I had set up interviews with uh, both the Milkmen and the Doc Hounds, and then kind of fell cold with the Milkmen, and then I looked at the dock hounds and they were an expansion team at that point and i didn't really know much about them and so i was like do you know what i think i'm gonna try and take a chance there and see you know if i can make something happen with that team and um you know i i love indie ball because you know it's 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 the wild west man every day it's okay. you know i i can lose my whole team right after this interview or i could sign five guys like it's you know, you have to be ready at the drop of a dime to, you know, adjust and show that you can build a winning team. And I think that's a very important thing to do. I, I, I saw the cut in minor league baseball is a real tragedy and, you know, they're them cutting all that development. And I saw indie ball is kind of rising in importance and saw that this was a time that I kind of need to put my foot in the door. Yeah, no, I see that's part of the appeal has always been for me too it's just like you don't necessarily know what to expect but at the end of the day you still have control over what's happening yeah is that you get to say these are the guys I want on my team these are the guys I'm going to have and you know the objective walking in the door every day is my goal is to make sure we win baseball games and that we're running a good organization and those are really the only two things that matter as opposed to on that affiliate level where it's like look winning isn't important and that's just such like for any competitor anyone that played a sport or anything anyone that really has some sort of a drive is like winning and wanting to be the best should be at the top of the list of things that you walk in doing like why am i going to walk in to an industry that's inherently competitive on every level in most aspects of that industry and not want to go out and produce the best product here and uh, I'm not going to speak to you, but I imagine that's what really is uh, uh, drawing to baseball ops to have that control and be able to really be able to put your stamp on a team, especially a young team like uh, like the Doc Hounds. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I saw that, you know, obviously the Milkmen won a championship. Anthony Barone is a great manager. They're very well run over there. They They know how to do they know how to do it. 
Um, and so I, you know, obviously the dock hounds struggled in their first opening season as, you know, pretty much every expansion team does. Um, and so, yeah, I, I saw an opportunity to not only put a stamp on things and really be able to help control a roster, but, you know, also I saw a, a possibility to make a difference within baseball. And I, I thought any ball was really kind of the route to do that. Um, and, and I don't want to say that, you know, minor league guys don't want to win, win games and, you know, advanced and double A, but there is, there's restrictions. Cause obviously if you're a major league team, you don't want a guy throwing 115 pitches to get a win, but at the same time as a competitor, he might. So I think it not only blends the minor league baseball atmosphere that everyone knows and loves, but also combines it with, like you said, a really winning culture. And every night, the 25 guys that you have are the only goals to win the game. Yeah. And that that's what's uh, just so great about it is developing that culture, too. And that's part of it. And uh, I don't want to take up too much because I know Ryan's going to want to jump in, obviously. And I don't want to steal all his questions from him because I'm sure they wouldn't be stupid questions. But yeah. I, but <laughs> I do want to throw at least one more out here, which is to talk about last year, how it was a bit of a rough, rough start, rocky start. And then there was a really strong middle stretch, about 60 or so games, where the team really came alive, especially after the managerial switch, where it was like, oh, okay, this is a much different team. So I wonder if you could just take us through that little stretch of time there, really from when they flicked the switch and really got it going through the rest of the year there. Yeah, yeah. So I can just kind of take you guys on a little story of kind of our season. So obviously I, I started out, I interviewed for the position in January of this past year. Um, so I, I came on pretty late in the off season um, and basically just said, you know, I, I brought a list of guys who I had scouted and said, you know, I, I think these guys can help us win. I think there is a championship team that we can put together. Um, and throughout the off season, I think there was just, I think there was a difference of approach in the way we were roster building between, uh, I would just say everywhere. I, I just think we didn't do a great job at trying to put the best team on the field. Um, and so our, our first manager was let go at the beginning of the year, uh, only eight games into the season. Obviously we had struggled uh, the year before and then started two and six. So that was, that was a little rough. That was tough. I mean, my, my intro to indie ball, my opening day was losing 17 to four. We were, uh, mm -hmm. we were down 11, nothing in the third inning. So it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a tough day. I didn't really text many friends and family that score uh, that <laughs> night, but, um, yeah. So it, obviously we, we went through the managerial change and it was, you know, most of the staff had left as well. Um, so two weeks, two weeks into my first pro job, it's, you know, myself, uh, our owner, Tom Kelnick and our pitching coach, Paul Wagner. And that was the room. Uh, so, uh, Wags, Wags was an interim coach for a little yeah. bit. And then, uh, we found Huck and yeah. he was, you know, uh, Huck, Huck is fantastic. I, I can't agree with that C minus. I know he's not listening. I'm sure he's not offended, but, um, no, he's, he's a fantastic manager. Um, you know, and so I, I think, I think we, like I said, we didn't do a fantastic job at the beginning of the year uh, putting together our roster. I think 
not only did I not do the best job, I just don't think I expressed, you know, my opinions enough. Um, so it, the turning point was kind of, I, I realized we needed more offense. Um, and along with Ken uh, Huckabee, we brought Reggie Harrison as a bench coach. Reggie, great guy, uh, former MLB pitcher. He had been in Gastonia the year before. So he uh, hooked me up with Brady. And so Brady and I got to talking and Brady, great for Gastonia, great. Yeah, I mean, he he's going to do a fantastic job down there, always has. Um, so last year, during the middle of the year, we kind of got talking. Uh, and I mean, yeah, it was it was a season full of learning. So our um, our right fielder, Nick Banks, who was an all star, uh, he decided to hang him up. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciated him for giving us ample time to kind of prepare for that. Um, you know, he let us know that his heart really just wasn't in it and, you know, he needed to move on to the next chapters of his life. And, you know, when guys tell me that I, I totally understand. So, um, I'd been talking to Brady for a few weeks about their right fielder, Steven Sensley. Um, we kind of got talking a little bit more. I said, Hey, I might need even more, you know, what can you offer me? Um, and so we ex- ended up expanding the trade and I got, uh, David Richardson and Curtis Terry as well in the deal. And that's kind of when our, we had a lot of really good hitters on our team, but w- we lacked power. And so that yeah. was kind of, I think the turning point in our season, but yeah, we started four and 13 ended two and 15 and right in that part, right in that middle part, we yeah. were pretty dang good, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a learning season. It was, it was a lot of tough moments, but. I think that's just preparing us even better for this next year. Yeah, no, it was a solid foundation. There's a lot of growth in that season. That's exactly what you're looking for going from year one to year two and now going year two to year three. You're really primed for it, and especially with the way that the playoff system works in the American Association. As long as you can just be slightly better than that this year, just avoid that 2-15 and 15 stretch, you're yeah. in. And once you're in, Anything can happen. That's the fun of baseball. You just need one good week and then, hey, you're off to the championship series. So, um, yeah, yeah, we caught, we caught a just a, that two and 15 stretch. We caught a tough break. I think we had Chicago on the road, Kansas City on the road. Yeah, um, we, lost, we lost two starters to, yeah. I think, Taiwan in that process. So it was just, it was just kind of an all out, you know, yeah. It, it fell apart, but it all know. hit the worst time. It all hit yeah, the same it, time. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, Brian, I'll throw it back over to you so that way I don't monopolize too much time here. I'll let you uh, jump in and get some high quality questions in. Yeah, I had a, a few thoughts throughout that, which is, I mean, my opening weekend, what turned out to be my only opening, only weekend, really, uh, as baseball operations in Lexington, uh, we lost three out of four to the Ducks. So, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, to move man, those tickets on Facebook could have got another weekend. Dude, thank God for Courtney Hawkins to walk off home, or at least to to get me one. Um, <laughs> okay, good lord. Uh, so I think I'm sitting on a two and four career record for baseball ops. So you know, yeah. keep it in mind. Um, <laughs> not to not flex, but uh, the uh, man, I don't even know where to start because you actually remind me of a bunch of different things just while you were talking there. So yeah. um, I, I while I will of course have to ask at some point about American association roster rules. I will yeah. hold that for now. Um, I will first shout out the fact that 
uh, your trade partner there, Brady Salisbury, will be on our next episode. Oh, so that's a nice. nice little segue there. I appreciate that. Uh, now, so you, you sort of give the background on how you end up in baseball operations there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to even figure out the, 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 the do you mind if I ask, how old are you? <laughs> uh, I'm 23. Dude, young guys and indie ball baseball ops yeah, i don't know what yeah. to take from it i take it as a i don't know like that's supposed to be taken as a win is, is like 25. i know i'm like deep down no offense i know it's because you know young guys are seen as cheaper but yeah. i do think it's good i think it's really yeah. good for the game like i i love indie ball as like a front office development role too it's it's a yeah. great thing so that's me makes me happy even if that's not the intent of ownership <laughs> which i don't know what it is going i don't know what i'm saying yeah um okay so First, I mean, how has that response been? Um, yeah, I guess there's a couple things. So the response from fans, but then the response from the player side, because, uh, you know, Lake Country, that's a new vibe, a new ballpark there. Uh, so have you seen, you know, the local area respond well to indie ball or with some hesitation? And how has it been sort of getting guys comfortable there? Because I know there's, from baseball operations side, you know, to the logistics of getting guys there and comfortable, it can be a never-ending list. So... How, how's sort of the settling in process been since you weren't there maybe from day one, but you have been there from pretty early on here? Yeah, I mean, I I can only say that most of the, and we had 65 guys in 120 days for 100 games. So it was, it was a lot. But I, I can say that, you know, I feel like everybody who's come into Lake Country and been a part of our program and been on our team is really enjoyed their time. Honestly, um, we have a great host family program. Um, you know, so a lot of families who are season ticket holders who attend a lot of the games, they host players throughout the season, sometimes even two or three at a time. Um, so the community has been responding great. I mean, attendance numbers are pretty good, especially, I think they were higher year one, I believe. Um, you know, obviously the thrill of a new team kind of checking it out, um, but obviously the success on the field didn't really come with it. And so, uh, you know, I think we're doing a great job marketing out in Oconomowoc in, you know, the greater, you know, kind of Milwaukee area going around Waukesha, uh, you know, all those cities out there. I think the local communities responded great. You know, I think we have a great game day atmosphere, um, you know, very friendly people all around the stadium. And so far players have come back with nothing, but, you know, good responses and even guys who we've had signed, you know, to Mexico or to other places, we still are able to keep in contact with them. And they reach out to us and say, Hey, we, you know, we have a friend, he just got released, uh, you know, by this team, he's looking for a place to play. We gave him your suggestion. So, you know, the fact that we have guys who keep coming back and keep helping us out, even throughout, throughout, you know, other off seasons where they don't necessarily need to, I, I see that as a sign of success and, you know, because obviously if you're not going to suggest a place to a friend, if, you know, you don't feel like you had a good situation there. So, um, you know, Huck, he managed for a long time in the minor leagues. He was supposed to manage in AAA Buffalo. And then I think some happened with COVID. Um, Wags pitched in the big leagues. Uh, you know, Dave Pano, minor league hidden coordinator for the Blue Jays for a long time. So, you know, we, we bring a wealth of experience and, you know, uh, our owner, Tom Kelnick, obviously his son, Jared is on the Braves. His other son, JT is playing baseball, Grand Canyon. So 
both both his kids are players and you know he sees he sees his kids and all these players and obviously wants the best for their careers and wants them to move up in you know levels and competition and pay and you know that's that's my goal too so obviously we see it as a symbiotic relationship we want guys to come in here do well and then go out somewhere else and do even better so that's kind of our goal and you know i think we've had a really good good experience getting guys in and, you know, training them and, you know, kind of just working with them. Okay. That's, I mean, that's really what it is too. You kind of need the community there and for the players. And then you also kind of need the players for the community too, when it comes to mm-hmm. warming everybody up at the organization. So good to see that hasn't had a lot of growing pains at least. Um, now from now we're going to get in the weeds. That was my general question. Yeah. Sorry about it. Um, I'm fascinated by the American Association's uh, roster restrictions because I think they're probably the most complicated ones to navigate, probably in all of American pro ball, I figure, because I can't really think of anybody else who would compete with that. So uh, what? Uh, let's erase last season, then we'll go with from, yeah, and so we'll call it end of the 2023 season. What's priority one? when it comes to attacking your offseason, putting a roster together? Uh, is it, you know, figuring out who's getting contract extensions? Yeah. So I, I would, I would say it's, you know, you, you try and find a piece to build off of. Um, okay. So obviously we won't be bringing back everyone from last year. That's just mm-hmm. how the business goes. And I don't think I'm doing a good job if we are, because the way I see it, we should have guys signing to you know other places. Demetrius Sims, Marcus Chu, Hohanse Torres, they all signed in Mexico. Austin Davis, he signed with the San Diego Padres. Um, so you kind of learn each and every day. I mean, I've probably had 200 mock rosters by February <laughs> 16th. So it's it's kind of just fitting the puzzle pieces along and seeing, okay, right Today, I have this roster. What would I do to fill this roster if I had the chance to end it today? And that's kind of just how I go. And that's that's kind of how I reach out to guys, too. Um, you know, we have target boards and, uh, you know, free agent lists that we're combing over, going through statistics, going through, you know, velocities, reaching out to coaches. Um, so I, I would say, you know, and the roster rules have changed a little bit. I don't know if that, if you're aware of that. So now we have, it's six veterans uh, per team. You have to have five rookies or LS1s. And they there used to be a bunch of distinction between the LS2 and threes and then the four and fives. You could only have so much. There's none of that in the middle anymore. So yeah, it's, that's it's going to help out logistically, I'm sure. Yes, it 100% does. And, and I, th- I think it's a good thing the American Association did that. I, I can't say enough good things about Josh Schaub. I, th- I think he's done a fantastic job as commissioner. Um, and, yeah, it just really gives us more flexibility in building a roster and saying, hey, if I have four guys who are LS4s, you know, I, I might not be able to sign this guy because he's also a four. Or, you know, we, have, we already have two fives. And, and it just really, it, it not only brings down the competition, but it brings down the creativity. And so, you know, I think it it allows us to keep our rosters young, one, by keeping that rookie LS1 rule, but also 
allows us to, you know, if, if we want to get six veterans and then a few guys who are kind of skating right under, we, you know, we're allowed to do that. Yeah. I, I mean, how many times does it happen where you're like, oh, this would be a great fit. I think we make it work. And you'd look at the roster, his roster classification. You're like, yeah. oh, you're kidding me. I can't imagine how often that must've went down. Yeah, it was. And that was, that was something where I think it got changed mid off season. It, it got okay. changed in some league meetings, I think. So when I first started uh, last January, that mm-hmm. was one of the things that was on. And then all of a sudden, kind of mid off season, it was like, okay, you don't need to worry about these middle parts as much. And it was like, oh, well, in that case, you know, <laughs> we, we, we can get a lot more creative here. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot more creative by choice, not by yeah. creative, not creative yeah. by like yeah. the, uh, Force. I was going to say that the best, you know, things for creativity are having the infinite budget or having two cents. 100%. So it is nice sometimes to not yeah. be worth two cents when it comes to at least the room you have on the roster. Um, now, speaking of the complications on the roster, the newest complication, and, and Nick, we only mentioned it in passing, I think, at this point on the pod, yeah. but I know I'm going to want to talk to Brady about it next week. Uh, might as well talk to you from the American uh, Association wait, perspective. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, do not, do not, okay. I was wondering if you were like, oh, I was going to talk about it. Okay, you're cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, are you seeing, uh, so for listeners who aren't aware, Mexican, the Mexican League has sort of, freed up their uh, restrictions on how many Americans can play on the team. It's not that simple. It's sort of how they define uh, American citizenship versus Mexican citizenship. So uh, without getting too in the weeds on that part, when it comes to the end result, which is you know how it is signing and keeping players in American Indie Ball, ha- have you been feeling that effect at all? Have you been seeing any sort of uh, difficulties coming up that might have not existed before that change? Yeah, so I think um, last year the Mexican League there's there's a lot of movement. Uh, mm-hmm. You know their rosters. They you know you can be there and gone in two weeks. Um, this off season, yeah, it's I've seen a significant rise in players going to Mexico, especially in guys where I felt comfortable in our target list in our league. I have seen a ton of guys signed in Mexico and, and I, you know, that's great for them. That's, that's what we're here for. Um, so I think there's 18 teams in the league, I want to say, and it went from six to 20. So that's around Mm -hmm. roughly 200, 250 players. Mm -hmm. So not only is AAA getting poached frontier league, Atlantic league, you know, American association, um, so it, it's been tough. It's been tough to kind of find out where the perfect middle ground is. Um, you know, I, I felt comfortable with lots of double A guys going, you know, in the past off season. Now it's more of a threat for them to go to Mexico. Um, and so that's, that's one, I guess, challenge and complication that I didn't really expect this off season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also been, we just don't, I don't see too many Mexican league transactions going down. It's they're kind of hard to track. So, mm-hmm. you know, once, once a guy goes to Mexico, it's kind of, it's on them to get back in because we, Interesting. We, don't, we don't, I don't really know unless, unless an agent reaches out or you've, you know where to go in indie ball. Most of the time, I don't really know if you've been released or not. Um, and so that's, that's just kind of one tough thing about, you know, 
dealing with Mexico is kind of a new hurdle to get guys into indie ball. But I mean, if you guys have seen kind of their stadiums, their atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, I mean, players get paid more. It's it, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, we brought a few guys in, uh, you know, and obviously they weren't making Mexico money on our team and we got to send them there this off season. So, you know, I, I, th- I think it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's, it just, we need to get better. That's, that's pretty much the only thing is, you know, it's a new hurdle. There's always going to be hurdles in indie ball. And there's, if, if you don't think that's the last hurdle that's coming, <laughs> I have, I have bad news. There's more, but, um, yeah, it's just another thing that we have to deal with, but, you know, I, I think it's fantastic for players and, you know, it's, it's a unique opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I know I'm hearing a lot from baseball operations and from managers just struggling to find pitching in particular. I know you have had luck. You found at least based on what I got, like five or at least four free agents. And then you got, I know you saw Augie Voigt who I've seen plenty of through the Atlantic league. So uh, you're finding your guys where you can, but is that really where you're, you're feeling it too? Or are you feeling it? You know, every once in a while, depending on what you're looking for and what the situation is, some people come out of left field and be like, dude, I can't find an outfielder, like literally out of left field. And, and I'm like, what? But <laughs> so I know it varies, but it, I mean, have you found the, the crunch to be on pitching and what's your, everyone has different theory on why, if, if you have any, I'm always down to listen. Yeah, no. So, I mean, my, my theory is, is that, um, especially as pitchers you can go into these new facilities tread um you you know there's so many to name like it's you can go anywhere pretty much and the fact that you can kind of get all of these numbers now you know spin rate inverted break everything on these pitches you can sign up for six month programs so if there's these programs it's less incentive for you to go figure it out in indie ball where you can go figure it out in a facility and if affiliate teams are telling you, oh, you know, we, we need to see your velocity jump or we need to see this on one of your pitches or you need to add a fourth pitch or, you know, something like that, you can do it in a controlled environment, which I think is a lot less injury risk. Um, and so since you can put out this film and you can up your velocity and change pitches and I think create a much more diverse profile i'd say than like a hitter because obviously you have you know exit velocities and you have a lot to go off of that but a lot of that is still in season stuff that you're going off of so i think pitchers just like to hold out longer i think it it makes more sense for them to hold out longer because not only not only that but injuries arm injuries are way up Mm -hmm. So if you're going to sit out, you might as well wait for spring training and then see what happens. But I think another interesting obstacle is uh, the MLB cut their spring training invites this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 30, I, I want to say it's 30, 35 less spots than last year. So it's it's been it's been an interesting offseason. And I think that's why it's been so slow is because. I think a lot of people are just trying to figure out what's going on. Like it's there's, there's a changing landscape, both at the top and at the bottom, I'd say. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say all that. Cause that has been, I think the, you are already on top of the hard truth that I've found a lot of people not wanting to acknowledge because a lot of it was like, well, you know, it's just the, the money or it's just the, 
you know, we're just competing with these teams that have more resources or whatever. Uh, but I do think a lot of it is what you said. It's pitchers can basically show and go. I always use the Roger Clemens thing and he was coming from being out of shape. He had to do some, you know, minor league stints, but like that one year where he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to pitch at home and I'm not going to travel the team or whatever. Like you can get away with that as a pitcher. You can't really do that. And, and with pitching, it's so unique where you don't really need sample size to see a guy's stuff. Meanwhile, if a guy is raking, you're like, yeah, but it's been a week. Like what ballpark was he playing in that weekend? Like, it's it is a very different thing where you know <laughs> i've i've heard the complaint from the player side too of like pitchers can show up throw two games strike out five guys and they're like all right bye and you're a hitter and that same weekend you know you go you know eight for ten with four walks and two homers and everyone's like yeah we'll check back in in a month <laughs> they're like bro that's like six bus rides um so it is fascinating to hear you know from that perspective that you are seeing that part of it too um yeah it's it not going to be the last challenge. If you could, this would be my last thing. I'll kick back to Nick and get out of the woods. I promise. It's if you said, and I agree, what's it's not going to be the last complication. Do you have any predictions on what could be the future complications people in your role are dealing with? Ooh, that's, that's, that's a tough an, one. I that's know. an interesting one. I don't, Hey, I don't mind being in the woods. Cause I like talking <laughs> about, I like talking about the depths of indie ball, but um, Nick, I can just call you when this is done. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, you know, whatever works we, for you. I've kept it out of the analytics side, and you're welcome. Look, um, look I know it's your show. I don't want to interrupt your show. <laughs> you do, well, you brought a baseball ops guy on. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, yeah, but, man, I would say... I, I would say pay is pay is always going to be uh, pay is always going to be a challenge. But then again, so not everyone wants to go play in another country. A lot of people have, you know, uh, families and you know children and all all kinds of stuff that prevents you from just upping your life and going for five six months a year. Uh, so so I would say I think the biggest challenge is going to be it the competition might be a little bit more evened out than we are going to expect. You know, I don't know if it's going to be as much of super teams anymore. I don't Mm -hmm. know if there's going to be, I think it's going to be harder for teams to hold standards for as long because the way I see it is I, I think MLB will eventually cut more minor league teams. I think that will at some point happen and there's going to be another level. The spring training invites are another indication. They don't want to pay for, you know, the development of a lot of these guys. They want finished products or to train on your own. Um, so I think, I think not only with the amount of indie ball teams we have, because I mean, now we're talking frontier, we're talking American Association. We're talking Atlantic League. There's a few other feeder leagues kind of out there. Um, with some of the top talent now going overseas and just the plethora of teams around here, uh, you know, I see a problem with there's only 20 rounds of Major League Baseball draft. So is any ball going to shift more into straight college baseball straight from bigger programs and guys who may have had bigger competition versus a double a guy who was struggling. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of see that there, there might be, it, we, we might need to expand the pay at some point. And you know, that's, that's way above me. 
Um, but I, I think there's also an expansion of a lot of leagues, which has been surprising to me. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that the talent, it'll, it's just moving so fast. That's, I think that's the problem. And, and, you know, there's only so much you can do as an indie league to kind of hold the players rights. Cause obviously you want them to go and play at bigger levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think meanwhile, they're going to be balancing all of that. I think the leagues are going to have to make sure they balance the amount of talent, like on both sides of the ball. Cause we see the offense and pitching bounce as well in the Atlantic, the frontier and the American, but pioneer is where it starts to have trouble where you start to run into, there's more pitchers than hitters or uh, more hitters than pitchers, as we talked about. And if you can't balance that, it's going to become very difficult to, you know, bring people in, but that's, yeah. that's fascinating, man. Have you thought at all about like, I mean, how much you guys stress? I mean, you, you do the host family thing. So that, that varies. Is there any way that you can kind of ensure player amenities or quality of, you know, not quality of life necessarily, but kind of quality of life. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, in in the host families, they have, you know, there's some beautiful homes. I mean, the guys, we did not have one complaint last year. So that, that was fantastic. The community stepping up and, you know, they're, they're a very big part of our team. Um, And, you know, so I think that's, housing has kind of almost been an afterthought which a lot of guys don't really get that luxury so yeah that's that's been fantastic is i I think we have a really good host family program um and then yeah it's 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 been fantastic on that side so obviously i know atlantically you kind of have to pay for your own housing um so that's most most of the time if you're a player they'll either cut it out your contract or you have to pay on the side at least for us, we, we, you get the money from your contract and you don't have to worry about housing. So I, I think that's one thing that's kind of leaning our way, but, um, you know, obviously that, that can change at any time. Interesting. Nick, before I kick it to you, the, the reason I, I I've been asking down that line of questioning, I'm going to do it again next week. And I promise is, uh, I, my theory is I think player amenities is the future NIL. I think it's like for indie ball because, you know, you can only push the salary cap so much, but if you want an edge on somebody like we, I've seen players go to one place or another just because they'd rather, you know, be in their housing situation. So it'll be interesting to watch then the differences between some. So good. I'm glad to see, what is it? Uh, I'm going to try it. Okanamawak. Okanamawak. Oh, dude, I was way off, way off. That's I, the I, next thing is butchering some pronunciation. So I, I took the heat on that one. Damn. It was two two things. So it was it was funny that I think Quick Trip did a video with Rob Gronkowski uh, trying to pronounce Wisconsin cities. Nice. And oh, one no. of them was Oconomowoc, and I think it was it was pretty close to yours. I'll say. Oh, okay. So, well, I don't know if that's what I want. Right online, <laughs> Gronks. <laughs> you, what I just heard was you got compared to a Super Bowl champion. That's what I yeah, heard. That's, I got that's compared what I to saying. someone else who used to play a contact sport with concussion problems. And so <laughs> I don't know about it. You read yeah, that but, differently than I did. Then. Yeah, but he, he made money on it. You didn't. It's some. Easy there. Easy there. Um, I, I will to, kick back to Nick. Hey, hey Nick. Yeah. It's your show, man. Back to you. That's nice. I, <laughs> I don't want to further insult the former semi-pro rugby player. Hey man, I was on the pro side of semi pro, and that counts for something. I don't know what. It certainly doesn't help with anything that I have seen, but you know, paid a check or two. Any case, there. so I'm going to actually bring us back to baseball now from yeah. that tangent. 
And uh, we were talking a little bit about the difference between the Atlantic and the American here. I just wonder, especially with more of the upper end players, do they probably have some options here? Partially, what's the pitch like to try and get them into a lake country? And then the other part of it is, how does that really compare to, say, more or less the some of these Atlantic teams that I'm sure are coming calling for some guys as well? Yeah, no, it's 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 uh it's funny. Me and uh me and Brady texting back like, hey man, you just you just signed this target off my list. What the hell? Come on. Yeah. But um no, I I would say in and we have a we have a smaller salary cap than the Atlantic League per month. Um, so that's obviously a battle where you know we're not able to get as many AAA guys, and you know some of these. Some of these guys who are like towards, you know, have, have played five or six years major league ball, uh, a, a very Long Island Ducks type player. We're not <laughs> always we're not always in in the running for those guys, unfortunately. As much as I'd love to, um, but no, we play. I mean, we play in a state of the art facility, Wisconsin Brewing Company Park. If you haven't seen pictures, uh, indoor Olympic sized training facility within the stadium. We have batting cages within the stadium. Uh, you know, there's, there's a brewery within the club level, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, I mean, we just, I think we do a great job in saying that, you know, you get a great host family once you're here. So you don't have to worry about housing. Uh, you're well taken care of. You get fantastic coaching from top to bottom. We've had guys who have major league experience, major league coaching experience, minor league coaching experience. And then for, you know, we play in a smaller park. Um, so for a lot of the offensive guys, it's, Hey, we, we see a formula in your statistics that we think you would come here and you would blow numbers out the water. So I think for hitters, that's a really, you know, not an easy sell, but it's, it's a much easier time to guys that, Hey, I think with, you know, our staff and our park that we can put you in a really good spot. Uh, and then pitchers, you know, obviously we we have a lot of we have wags who pitched in the major leagues for a very long time. Great pitching coach. Um, last year we had Reggie as well. Um, and it's it's been, you know, hey, you you you're going to pitch in a uh, hitters park. You're going to face pretty good competition. Uh, I mean, the past few years, there's been a lot of teams who have put out some damn good lineups. Um, so, yeah, it's you're pitching in hitters park. Um, you know, you're going to face good comp. And if you put up good numbers, people are going to realize that. Um, and, you know, we've we've had that success. And, you know, I think that's another thing that we've been able to kind of show to guys is, you know, hey, Randall Delgado and Kyle McGowan, we had them signed in Taiwan. Uh, Luis Avilas, um, Nick Howard, uh, Nick Harold. Um, uh, and I think a few other names are slipping my mind. We sent them back to affiliate. We sent three guys to Mexico. Uh, I think Brian Ray is also might also be going to Mexico. I'm not 100% sure on that. But yeah, so I mean, we've we've shown guys that hey, this isn't this isn't the last stop. This is a stop. Uh, we want to get your numbers up. We want to help fix any kinks that. Uh, an affiliate team saw and then hopefully move you on to the next spot. And so I think we've done, not only do we have a pretty good track record of it in two years, but I'm hoping the winning is going to come along in this third year and, you know, the, the right formula will be put together. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of the kind of ideal team construction built off of 
who may who you manage to draw with the pitch, and also because of that hitter friendly ballpark, that's something you definitely want to really focalize in your uh, roster construction there. So, is that obviously we talked earlier about how you can have a clean slate every year practically? When you go in there, is that part of it? Like, okay, I definitely want to have more offensive minded guys or guys where I'm like, yeah, I know he has a tendency to hit to the part of the park I want him to hit towards or something along those lines. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, like when I'm, when I'm looking at pitcher profiles, I'm, I'm looking at the guys with the higher ground ball rates, hundred percent. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at pull percentage. I'm looking to, uh, you know, what types of pitches they have. You know, I found that some work better than others in our park. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of film and then kind of see, okay, if this, this was in our stadium, what would have happened? Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, we do a really good job and a really thorough, you know, job of going through video, going through statistics, um, and looking at kind of everybody's profile and saying, you know, I think this particular guy is going to work well because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and to that, you know, we have a really short right field, um, you know, left-handed hitters do very well in our park. Um, is that a focus? I'd, I would say no, um, just because it, it runs pretty short down the lines, both sides, but is it a bonus hundred percent? You know, if, if I've right-handed hitter versus a left-handed hitter, they're very similar in everything I can see. I'm probably going lefty just because I feel like in the stadiums that we're going to be in, that's going to benefit us way more. Yeah, I definitely can feel that. And that, that reminds me of something, or I thought of a question while you were talking there, which is, has there been a guy that you've seen play either in the association or a relatively comparable league? They said, you know, watching him play, I really would like him, tried to get him in this, couldn't get a deal done or as a oh, guy like that, similar to that. I mean, ooh, I mean, how, how much time you have? Uh, I've reached out, <laughs> reached out to a lot of people. No, I mean, uh, I one of one of the bigger swing and mi- not swing and misses, yeah. but uh, I mean, I reached out to Chris Davis, uh, yeah. former Brewer, played yeah. in Kentucky. Um, uh, who are who are some? I know before I was there, we reached out to Eric Thames. Um, man, there's, there's a few, I, I did reach out to Courtney Hawkins. I, I tried to see what he was about, if he was interested. Uh, and then, yeah, before, before I got a chance, Adam Brett Walker went to, uh, Uh, so yeah, yeah, no, I, I would have loved to get the hometown little crosstown signing, but, um, unfortunately, no, he's doing, he's doing great over in Japan. So. But yeah, no, I mean, that that's the thing is I, I could probably name a hundred. I mean, we leave no stone unturned. We go for the crazy signing. We, you know, obviously we try and be calculated and not waste our time. But, you know, if we think there is something there, we, we're not going to be afraid to take a shot. And I just imagine now you managing to pull Walker away from Barone and him showing up to your door with the bat in hand. Go, why are you taking my star hitter? Yeah, no, no. I mean, hey, I that's yeah. that's more of a dream. After after yeah. seeing ABW hit all those home runs at Franklin Field, yeah. I was like, man, wouldn't wouldn't that be a day one good signing? So, uh, but no, he's he's doing great, and uh, yeah, no, they run a great program over there. Exactly. I mean, if you you lose nothing by asking, so you might as well ask. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So on that note, I 
don't think I have too much else that's pressing here. I mean, like, the, I will say there is one question I am extremely curious about, which is we know the Atlantic League, they have their weird rules and whatnot. They do the rule testing. That seems to be coming more or less to an end fairly soon, or at least not as extreme as it used to be. I do want to know, if do you use that at all in a pitch to a guy where it's like, look, we're going to play baseball pretty straight up. It's like you know it. It's like how it's done in the major league level. We're not doing anything crazy. You don't have to worry about us, you know, doing something stupid like, I don't know, moving the mound back or something like that. It's that kind of one of the ways you get more veteran guys that have some experience that their goal is very much, hey, I want to get back to AAA. I want to get back to the MLB level. Uh, not, not too much. Um, you know, I would, I would say if, if, if you're a triple A guy and, you know, you're focused on the Atlantic league and you're focused on the Atlantic league salary and kind of what you think you're worth. Yeah. A lot of times, most teams, unless it's the very top of our payroll are not going to be able to compete. Um, and so I think the rule changes are one thing that we definitely could dip into, but uh, for the most part, we just try and say, you know, everything great that we can about our organization and how we think we can help you. And, um, you know, we, we just, I, I don't, I don't tend to like to, you know, go into funky stuff like that and try and get them, you know, really thinking, okay, about the mound and all kinds yeah. of stuff. I just try and give them a good rundown of what our situation is like and, you know, the successes we've had. And, you know, I think the American Association has done a really good job of getting players contracts purchased in the past few years compared to the Atlantic League. And so so I think that's another big thing is just, hey, we're, we're on par with them. You know, yeah. it's it's no different over here. We're we're committed to winning just like they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just always curious about how the pitches are, because I know we talked to a lot of people and a lot of them were like, I like to mention, like, you don't have to worry about it. So I'm just always curious about how each front office does things because I have heard other front offices doing something similar to that. Yeah, I mean, it's in, I, I don't know if that yeah. does play any, because obviously we signed, so we signed Kyle McGowan uh, yeah. last year towards the end of our playoff race or, you know, yeah. playoff run to, uh, towards the hunt. Um, so he was in Staten Island start the year uh, with Eric Shuffler and all those guys. And, yeah. Um, so he was signed by Houston after one game. We had signed Austin Davis, who was also from that Triple uh, tr- uh, A. Uh, what is that? Um, can't believe. Oh, uh, Sugarland Triple A okay. Sugar. So yeah, Austin Davis was teammates there with McGowan. Uh, we hope to pair them and you know make our playoff run uh, with those two guys at the top of our rotation. So I mean, yeah, Kyle did go Atlantic to American. I don't know if that had any you know, yeah. bearing on his decision. I think it was more teammate, but yeah. And then uh, he pitched on Sunday at one o'clock and uh, signed by a Taiwanese team at four. So that was kind of how that <laughs> efficiency. Went. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess I'll throw it back to Ryan if he has anything else left to ask, because I know we're getting kind of tight towards the end of the hour. And I know uh, I don't want to take any more of your time than we have to. So. No worries. Um, I mean, I always have more questions, but that might just have to be on the back end. Now you're going to get DMs from me. It is with. Um, that, that's fine. But, hey, I got some time. So if you need some more content, <laughs> I can definitely stay on. Well, maybe you'll pop on with uh, on the Indie Ball Nation stuff once, you know, who knows? Maybe <laughs> I'll do my own content and not just live here like some sort of squatter <laughs> in the walls. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the only thing that was really on, on my mind in particular was uh, more about 
I guess uh, <laughs> it's such a can of worms. I don't even know if I can fully start to to unpack it. But um, when it comes to backing up to the off season strategy, I mean, yeah. Do you look multiple years in advance or do you just handle things as it comes sort of? I asked a similar question to Mike Pinto when he was on. I'm just fascinated by, you know, certain, you know, baseball operations departments seem to just take the day as it comes. We'll worry about the future in the future. Nothing, you know, too many things can change. Others have the whole spreadsheet out multiple years of who's going to be at what point in their, you know, roster restriction status. So where do you fall sort of on that spectrum? Because I've seen winners on both sides and losers on both sides. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say I'm more planned for the day, um, you know, and, and obviously the, I, I think that I do a pretty good job at balancing both sides for the most part. Um, so like, like last toward, towards the end of the playoff race, uh, you know, last year I went to, uh, you know, all the double A rosters, all the triple A rosters, all the single A advanced and just went through and said, who's aging out? each of these places and i said okay who do i think might get cut might be on the waiver wire might be looking for a job um so i i think there's some you know preliminary things that i go through and obviously you know as the minor league free agents are released through the off season and uh you know as you know teams decline or pick up options i think you just kind of have to roll with the punches for the most part and just kind of plan uh, the best you can. Cause obviously, you know, you can plan for a guy and then you ask him, Hey, do you have any interest? And he's like, no, man, I, I don't want to come there. And then, like, <laughs> and then you're like, Oh, well, okay, shoot. I, I got a reverse course now, but um, no, I, I think it's, it's a fair mixture. Cause obviously I, you know, I do want to keep guys as long as possible, but at the same time, I, I understand that, you know, these, a lot of these guys have families, a lot of these guys have kids and this is their career. And, you know, they all had major league dreams at one point. And so, you know, I understand our role in their careers and what we're supposed to do for them. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't try and plan for guys to stay multiple, multiple years. Cause I think that's doing them a disservice. Um, if you want to stay multiple years, by any means, if you're successful and you're you're enjoying it, and this is you know the career you see for yourself, absolutely, I've I have no issue with that. But for a lot of guys who were bringing in from the minor leagues and you know or straight out of college, they hope to get back to affiliate, and so you know we to to make the player happy, to make everybody happy, we, we need to take certain measures. And obviously that's bringing in a guy understanding that, Hey, he might only be here for a month. Mm -hmm. So I might look, I might look forward and say, okay, I signed this guy for X amount of money when he's gone in a month, how much money will I have and who can I sign then? And so those are kind of the things that I try and go through as a practice and say, Oh, this, this guy's hitting three thirty, He might get signed. So I got it. So now I'm looking for outfielders because if I lose him, where does this offense kind of stand? And right. so I, I think it's just it's it's always trying to get ahead of the next step, trying to beat the next step before you actually get there. And, you know, I think that's a tricky thing to do in indie ball because you can get put on your face any day of the week. But at the same time, you, you have to plan as best you can, because otherwise there's no plan at all. So. 
Um, you know, obviously, I, I I wish we could run it back with the roster we had last year. I felt like we had a lot of talented guys. You know, I felt like there was some things just ball didn't drop our way sometimes. Um, but the reality is I won't be able to. And so, you know, we, we've been planning for months that we probably won't have the same roster. And so I feel like we have a pretty good, pretty good kind of set up on where we're going for this next year. Nice. All right, man. That's, that's all I got. I'm not going to drag you into anything else else to for now. We'll see. Hey, um, I, wel- I welcome yeah. the questions. <laughs> I know. And that's why I like, it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to yeah. keep this in mind moving forward. But once yeah. again, ooh, I'll say the thing, Nick, your show, my man, I guess we'll have to just do the same thing we do every time, which is Jack, if you have anything else you want to add, anything you want to say, promote, do anything like that. Now's your time to do that. We give everyone the time uh, at the end. So we might as well give it to you too. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love independent baseball. I think it's, it's a vital mixture in our game. I think it's needed for where baseball is going. And, you know, all I can say is we have a great thing going up in Lake country. I, I, th- I think it's the best in the business. I mean, Tom, he's a fantastic owner um, from top to bottom. The organization is run well. Uh, Ken Huckabee, great manager. Everybody loves him. All the players get along really well with him. Dave Pano, fantastic hitting coach. Paul Wagner, fantastic pitching coach. Um, you know, I'm just I'm really fortunate to be in the position that you know I, I'm in. I'm I'm very grateful that you know Lake Country was an expansion team, and you know I hadn't really put a lot of thought into them, and then one day I just I decided, you know. I, I think this is the route that I kind of want to go. So it, it's it's such a great atmosphere over there. I think we're going to have a great roster. And hey, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping we'll be hosting the tro- trophy at the end of the next year. So that's uh, that's what I'll promote. Hey, we hope to see you hosting the Milesworth Cup at the end of the year. Definitely, we'd like to see it, man. Very impressed what you've done so far. We're curious to see what you're going to do next, and we appreciate taking the time to come on today. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, thanks again for Jack for coming on the show. Appreciate him hopping on. I know on my end, I was slacking to schedule this for a while. Uh, I kept meaning to, and then something else would come up, or we'd have to work something out, and it was always a problem. It was always my problem that I couldn't get solved, but glad we got it solved. Great interview. I'm sure we got a lot more to ask him, so we'll have him back on again. Closer to the start of the season, so there is that. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, we have someone else on next week that. Uh, is the reason why we pushed our conversation and our discussion on the Atlantic League South to review, if you would, a week back. So do you want to say who we're going to have on? Or? Yeah, man, got Brady Salisbury, which is going to be a fun time. Baseball operations for the Gastonia Honey Hunters. So not only talking about how he you know, has taken Gastonia from a really a, t- a tough-to-watch team in their first year to now uh, back-to-back playoff berths, that's uh, going to be a good conversation, man, and I'm very excited about it. I, not only that, I mean, we're going to have to talk about the past year of Gastonia Honey Hunters, and oh, yeah. by the way, Gastonia baseball because no longer the Honey Hunters. No, we're so, but we're going to have to talk about it. So I'm excited. It'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, uh, he's a guy who I, I personally would call a friend, but also a guy where him and I have had quite a year because. While I know that he was, you know, he was not supportive of the things going wrong in, in Gastonia, 
I also, by reporting on it, was making his job more difficult <laughs> because it's hard to get a player to come when the major story about your team is that nobody's getting paid. Um, yeah. He, so, yeah, but he, he rode with me. That's how you know he's a real one, and uh, I'm excited to have him on, man. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah, like... I'm looking forward to it because there's just so much here to go after, which is like I almost want to open up with the so how much of a shit show was it last year? Yeah, and like I'd love to, you know, avoid, you know, I I don't want to just live in it. But yeah, so that's an interview to look forward to next week. We'll also do the ALPB South review next week and we are aware there was at least the first, I guess we call it phase of the Pioneer League draft this past week. Mm-hmm. They called it the first round, but I'm not sure I called that when you do two separate drafts. So I call them more right. phase one, phase two. So we'll talk about it probably next week, but we wanted to make sure we got all the other news in and the interview and we didn't have to worry about it. So given that this week was a really tight for time week, we figured. Let's move all the actual player discussion base and team discussion based stuff back a week when we'll have time to actually talk about it. Yeah. So we'll have what next week's like Brady, some draft talk, some ALPB South talk. Love it. And then I'm sure like something random is going to happen on Thursday too. I'll be like, hey, guess what you're doing? And at some point we'll have to say the old, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be the negative guy. In any case, uh, I guess this is where you do plugs and I do plugs and then we leave and then I edit this when I get this file two in the morning. Yeah, it's about right. Um, yeah, uh, I will say, yeah, Indie Ball Nation on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that. That's about it. Yeah, that's all I got. I promise anything's going to come out. I never know anymore. I think I know, but I usually don't. That's where I'm at, too. Where it's just like, look, you can rely on the podcast. And that's about it. Everything else is a real crapshoot. And every <laughs> offseason, I say, like, this is going to be the year we're going to actually put out good content. We're going to have, like, one substantive thing every week. And we're going to have a couple other social media posts. And then I never do. But Indie Ball Pod on Twitter, Indie Ball Report, everywhere else. Maybe there's something. Maybe there isn't. Who the hell really knows? I sure as shit don't. But Nobody maybe you do. knows. Trouble you've seen? <laughs> oh man until next time don't forget to uh, play ball <laughs>